The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is that time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. A return visit from my guest today, Kim Clark. She's an author and she ministers in, of all places, prisons a lot. She's got several places that she attends and reaches out to women and offering hope as well as some of her books, which she's got a brand new book that we're talking about. It's the Lift Your Gaze prayer book, Deep Water series. Kim Clark, welcome back. Mike, thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy coming out here, and you're such an incredible host. I well, thank you. you. You're welcome. It's, uh, it's nice to get to meet people like you. You're out there doing it. You're, uh, you know, uh, you're doing a lot. I think most, most women who would hear our program would have in the back of their mind, how cool would it be to write a book? I mean, I think that is something that, that almost everybody, male, female, uh, we all think that way. I'm not sure everyone would think going and visiting prisons twice a week uh, as uh, being equally glamorous, yet that's in your heart, and that's exactly what you do. Absolutely. It's so funny you say that about write a book. The Lord just spoke to me just yesterday and convicted me that I need to establish a program called Write Your Book, because if I had a dollar every time someone told me, I'm going to send you my book for you to publish, I'd be a very wealthy woman. So it's, that's on my website as well as a write your book program to teach people to avoid the pitfalls that I found to writing their books so they can grab, go on that, my website there and pick that up. It's kimmclark.com and click on write the book. Kim M. Clark, period, uh, initial M with a period. Okay. And you know, this day we've talked with a number of our guests about this, this day and age, it's different than what it used to be to write a book. Oh my goodness. It is. It's incredible. My first book took me five years and three rewrites. My uh, and I've, this is my fourth book, which you have right here, and that one took me six months to finish, and then from start to holding it in my hand took me eighteen months. So I think people that's helpful for people that it's half of it is actually writing the book, and the other half is editing and publication. Mm-hmm. For example, our books go through five stages of editing. We've published twelve books in the last eighteen months. We do children's illustrated books as well as uh, nonfiction and some fiction. So we do do a lot. But this book is my favorite to bring into the prisons and jails. And you're right. A lot of people can't believe I go into maximum security or minimum security. And I share this book. And the response has been extraordinary. I speak specifically to the females, but uh, chaplains, anytime an inmate asks for a Bible, Mm -hmm. they give them a copy of my devotional. That's in English and in Spanish. But this prayer book, there's been a huge, huge demand for both with the male and female inmates. Now, while you're there, isn't it the strangest thing when they shut that door behind you and you're on the inside? Isn't that weird? It's actually um, very, uh, very interesting. Uh, it can be very uh, claustrophobic or isolating. Yeah, I think so. Especially in certain, I have to go through certain corridors and it's it's really, you're in your own, pretty much an own almost an own sovereign, an own country. You you can't bring in your watch. I can't bring in my jewelry. I can't bring in my purse. All I can bring is my car keys and whatever I'm using for teaching. Yeah. If I bring in music, it has to be a CD labeled. It can't be something I've burned or any iPad. I can't bring my computer. I can't bring my iWatch, Apple Watch. Uh, well, my jewelry I take off, I become uh, just a more subdued person of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might say. And uh, I have to wear special shoes. I can't wear open back, open toe shoes. I have, I have to take off my jacket because the metal detector in some facilities, I have to get padded down. Yeah, And then everything has to be, everything has to be open. So it's a very interesting process when you go through, and I have to go through um, several buildings to get to. I go to Orange County Jail and Osceola County Jail frequently, twice a week. And I alternate weeks. And I've also gone to quite a bit of prisons locally in the area. But my books are in prisons throughout Florida and jails, uh, as well as Indiana, 
What Pen- Indiana? Pennsylvania and Colorado. What about Indiana? Why there? Oh, uh, you know, I met. I went to a correctional facility, a correctional facilities ministries and chaplains group, and I got a grant to give all of the participants a copy of my first book. Wow. And so many of them ordered and have ordered books since that. Have and you the, ever visited there? I have not, because most mm-hmm. of the, that happened right before COVID and everything shut down. Mm-hmm. But my books were still blasting out and still going, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's a big thing. And uh, I'm from Indiana. That's why oh, I said that originally. Yeah, that's where I grew up. And we moved down here in the mid 80s. So I still have uh, some family there, and it's will always have that special place in my heart. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's really great, Kim. You know, this when you go in, do you go in with a person? Do you go in by yourself? What What do you do? Great question. I go in with Jesus, and that's why I go in by okay. myself in the flesh. And I go in and I teach and I share my message of hope. I there's I do three ways. I mostly I do individual or I can do one-on-one mentoring, but most frequently I do the discipleship groups, anywhere between three and 20 women. But I've also gone in and speak to large groups where I speak to the entire inmate population. And I did that a lot before COVID. Now things are still wonky and Mm -hmm. I have not been able to do that. But I can go in any time and speak to either one inmate or um, 20. Now, I know that what I've heard about the impact of COVID on prisons, it was great. It was a big impact. And, you know, you think these people are there. uh, They're already bound. They're already confined. And then you pull away the visits from people like you and other pastors that go to visit. That really does have an impact on their their psyche, doesn't it? Well, either in psyche, but also on the rehabilitation and also on, I'm big on the recidivism. So if I can change one person and if I can get them to turn from a life of sin to Christ, I feel that's a huge win for the kingdom. And I also feel that ripple effect with them generationally is huge. And I have inmates who have found me on social media all over the place and say, Miss Kim, you've changed my life. You don't understand what it's done for me. I, I want to now stay sober. I'm sober so many days or the, or the family members find me and say, you don't understand the impact you had on my sister's life. You completely transformed her life. You gave her hope where she had none. One woman I spoke to in Maximum Security, I was mentioning to you a little bit about earlier, I was supposed to speak to a group of 20 women and only one woman came in. I thought, well, this is interesting. One woman. Okay, mm-hmm. God. One-on-one. Yeah, oh, good enough. Okay, here we go. Yeah. And I asked her, where are the other ladies? She said, I don't know. And she could see there was, she was really, there was a spirit of just heaviness and despair on her. So having taught, I used to be a college professor and having you look for any way you can just relate or any, any commonalities between the two. And she had beautiful braids in her hair and some of the braids had purple in there. I'm like, Oh, I like your braids. I like the purple. She said, that's my son's favorite color. And I was thinking, great. You know, I have a son too. I, great. I have a son. How old's your son? Said he was six when he passed. Mm. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. It kind of changes the air immediately. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Just, <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. When did he pass? She said, last month. Mm. And then I found out from the chaplains after my interaction that she and her husband were both incarcerated for his for his death. And there was, I can't talk about too much about the situation because it's, it's a very high profile case. But so I told her, you know, we're going to go rogue. We're going to go off our program. We're going to schedule to do chapter three. We're going to skip all the way over to, cha- I think it was chapter eight, Amazing Grace of my first book. Mm-hmm. And it's where my husband and I lost a child. It was mm-hmm. miscarriage, but still it was devastating. We had gone through infertility for a period. God had told me he was going to make me pregnant. And then we lost the baby. Mm-hmm. So it was very difficult that time because I was thinking, come on, God, really? <laughs> so we read that and um, I wrote in there how God gave me a vision of my child. I believe my child with Jesus. And I saw Jesus and I saw my child and it was during worship. And uh, this little beautiful little girl with this long uh, just hair, brown hair with gold flecks and these beautiful eyes looked at me just so intently. And then she looks back at Jesus in this vision and had said, Jesus, Jesus, mommy's so sad. Mm-hmm. And Jesus nodded. And then she, he actually picked her up and she was kind of nuzzled into his neck. And she looked down again. She said, Jesus, mommy is still so sad. And it 
and we were singing worship music and it was a very large church. I used to work at that church at that time. This was a number of years ago. And Jesus in my vision reached down and touched my right shoulder and all of my grief, which was so heavy, just exited me at that point. It was like swish right out. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, my baby's with Jesus. That's what I pray for. That's what mm-hmm. we as parents mm-hmm. pray for yeah. all of our children to be, have eternal life, to have Jesus, to the God, to use them for good for his kingdom. And however long that is, whether it's minutes in my womb, days in my womb, or years on this planet, that's mm-hmm. my prayer. Right. And so we read that out loud. And then we sang, her and I sang Amazing Grace together. And it was so beautiful. So she's crying. I'm crying. And the end, she said, Miss Kim, I have not had hope like this. In, um, I can't tell you how many years it's been so horrible Mm -hmm. and what you've done to me, you've completely changed me. And I'm like, no, Jesus did just the messenger. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to play a part. And even the chaplain told me, Kim, she's doing so well. Whenever I see her, she's in maximum security. She's glowing and she's really stepping out as a God's gifted her in the gift of teaching. So I see her teaching the other women how to read English how to speak, how to help them with their studies as they're going closer to God. I mean, it is so beautiful. And she wrote me this letter. Can I share sure, that Sure, go you? ahead. Yeah. So she said, I have, gotten, I have gotten the opportunity to meet and have an encounter with Miss Kim. And it was the best encounter I've ever experienced in my life. Not only did I get the chance to have this first meeting one-on-one and being able to express my situation, allowing me to share a grieving experience with Miss Kim, She spoke lots of words of wisdom, gave me lots of verses that helped me learn to lift my gaze. I first started with a 30-day devotional, which is my second book, and it slowly but surely gave me the strength to keep moving forward and to stop asking God why, because it was done by his will, and he uses all of our experiences for good. I could say Ms. Kim and her books helped me in many ways. Not only did it get me out of a deep depression stage, but also help me believe that God did not let go of me and he loves me. These books are amazing and they lift you from your lowest stage and give you blessings that you never expected. I pray the best continues for Miss Kim and her books because she can keep, because she can help in all ways, including keeping people from suicide, depression, everything. Mm-hmm. Not only through prayer, but just coming to visit us women and spreading the faith allows us all the chance to keep moving keep praying and keep the faith. And by God's grace, we will continue to move on in glory. I overly love Miss Kim and her books. And she is one of God's greatest warriors and the best disciples sent to us on this day and age and love. Mm. And she signed her name. So please sponsor her to keep allowing her to allow us to keep our gaze lifted and, and allow her to be able to change women like she's changed my life. Wow. That's wonderfully written. You know, when you think about uh, this kind of a letter from a woman in prison, and there are many, I believe, Kim, that would feel a bit of skepticism with regards to what happens to women or men, for that matter, when they're in prison, the whole thing of jailhouse uh, religion, you know, that kind of a, a picture comes to our mind and you know, you wonder, would they, these people wonder, would they really, are they really changed? Would they be doing this if they weren't in prison? If they hadn't got caught, would they have this kind of a conversion experience? And it it can leave people where they're thinking that doesn't really ever happen. It really doesn't ever change. But I've talked to too many people whose lives were radically changed when they were in prison, when they were in jail. God has done some major works. I call it a timeout. <laughs> God's given you a timeout. I tell the ladies and he needs to get your attention and he's broken you and brought you in here. And what God breaks as Jehovah Rapha, he heals. And that part that's healed is stronger than the part you were, than the person mm-hmm. you were before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I don't know what God's going to do with all these ladies. I do know, according to the chaplains, this conversion, of this woman is Amazing. The woman who walked in my classroom that day should have been on suicide watch. Mm. The woman who walked out had joy. Nothing changed except Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every time I've seen her, she absolutely glows. In her glows. heart, yeah. Yeah, her absolutely glows. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, she's, she's pressing in so deep. The chaplains are like, Kim, you have no idea. She's amazing. This is extraordinary, this transformation. I'm like, and I don't know if she's ever going to get out. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is 
I think people think of jails and prison like, oh, they deserve to be there. And, and But all I know is a lot of people, especially the women I deal with, sometimes you see there's been abusive and domestic violence for years and years. They finally fight, fight back and then they're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And this could be your neighbor. This could be your Bible study teacher. This could be your school bus driver, your kid. This is, and also you see a lot of um, addiction, problems with addiction. I, I see dentists in there. I see all types of people. So it's not just, oh, they deserve it. I just don't want to mm-hmm. be bothered by that. That, And what happens if they can't get out and get a job and then they're resorting to crime to have to pay for, to, to live and you're the victim of that crime. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not doing anything to change the problem, then aren't we part of the problem? You know, I think what you said earlier is really worth repeating that most of them have been in one form of prison or another long before they ever went into the actual one. So they've already been kind of locked in into bad habits, into a bad lifestyle, wrong company, maybe wrong thoughts and wrong environments, bad environments that had them locked up long before they were actually in prison, right? Absolutely. You see a lot of them that, and it's it's actually, they'll say, this is the best place for me right now. I need to get away. I had one woman in maximum security I spoke to, and I had this word God gave me when I was at another facility, uh, and I God just, all of a sudden I stopped them. I said, wait a minute. A lot of them had been struggling with addiction. I have this sense that there's people out there that are creating a cocktail that's lethal, and if and then we all they all prayed to be reunited with their children. I, and I told them I said I just have this amazing sense. I still have it. If you use again, you will die, and you will not see your children mm-hmm. again this life. And they all the color drained from their faces. And they said, Miss Kim, you have no idea how many of our friends died from quote unquote overdoses. These are people who should know yeah, better. I'm like, sure. it wasn't an overdose. It was they're creating a cocktail and it's lethal. And I shared that word with another at, with with at another facility with a, a woman in maximum security. And she had said, I, I can't, I'm part of a drug gang. They'll kill me if I get out, if I stop using, if I get out. And the woman next to her, the inmate said, you need to move. You need to get out. You need to listen to her. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I was, wow. I'm like, wow. And the chaplain really convicted me. She said, I need you to record that. I'm going to start playing that YouTube video to all the ladies in here. And she did. Mm-hmm. And she does. So it's pretty incredible. How long have you been doing this? Uh, this actually this week is crazy. I believe it's um, fourth or fifth year. So yeah, it's fourth fourth year, I believe. So crazy. When you started doing it, did you ever have any idea that you'd write more than one book, or that you would be going in year after year like you no. do? <laughs> God had told me, um, told me to write the first book, start a publishing company, and then I laid the book on His altar and said, "This is yours. What do you want me to do with it?" And God spoke to me as clear as day that I want you to take your message of hope into the prison system. And I responded with a very holy, do what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> <laughs> and then he, um, and so God paved the way. I had a nonprofit open in all 50 states in a week. And I started going into prison systems wow. and God just unbelievably anoints. And even the chaplains say, Kim, you, and the one of them just told me, she said, you were made to hmm. do this. God, this was, this is your purpose. And we're all looking for our purpose. This is your purpose. You're such a gifted teacher and you're such a gifted evangelist. You're so full of hope. Wow. Kim M. Clark, my guest today. We'll be back with Kim for segment two. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, Yes and yes. Visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. My studio guest today is Kim M. Clark. That's how she's known. 
if you were to go to Amazon or other websites where you can find books, and her books are there. It's called Deep Waters Books. And before we talk about this one, give us that idea. Uh, give us an idea of how you uh, started and what was the first step you took to publish a book. You didn't, you didn't have like a publisher, did you? That's a great question. There's a different ways to publish a book. One is in uh, self-publishing, where you could publish your grocery list. Right. You know, no one checks it. And a lot right. of people go that route. And that's not the route I wanted to go with as a college marketing professor, I was, I, I had I, very high standards of publication or traditionally publish where they, you get a very small percentage of royalties and sometimes you'll get an advance. Sometimes you won't, but they own all the intellectual rights of your book. Or you can do self-publishing, create your, I'm sorry, independent publishing, forgive me. It's the last mm -hmm. option where you can create your own independent publishing company, which is what I did. Okay. I had and that offers, way you still have the rights to your book. I had offers to, I had, I, two or three, I can't remember now, uh, traditionally publishing authors, offers, but I turned them down and created my own publishing mm -hmm. house, which I've, we've published, uh, gosh, about 12 other books since that time. But so I, I went with that route because I retained the intellectual rights and I believe the Lord was leading me with that because then I could use them for lift your gaze as well mm -hmm. as I own the intellectual rights and the publishing rights. Now, so if you have gone the traditional route, that's where people get their books in places like uh, Costco and uh, Barnes Noble, et cetera, all the big, big bookstores. But I've talked to a lot of authors who feel they're doing better. Their books are more widely distributed if they're doing self-publishing like what you are. Yeah, actually, the independent publishing or route, independent yeah, publishing, it, it's so much it, you can and you can get them into Costco and whatnot. There is a cost. For that, there's a book distributor that can help you out with that. My books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, um, uh, BAM, Books A Million, all the major all the major ones. You can pretty much grab it and ask them to order a copy of it. It's This newest one is Deep Waters, Lift Your Gaze Prayer Book. Mm -hmm. And this one is amazing. It's personalized, praying personalized scripture with the Hebrew names of God. And I listed the 12 Hebrew names of God mm -hmm. and each... Name of God has seven personalized prayer on based solely on scripture. Is that right? So, so you've taken all 12 and obviously more than just even writing a book, there had to be a lot of study that went involved in this one, right? There was a lot of Hebrew study, a lot. I went back to lexicon. I went back to really understand what that word meant, mm -hmm. what Elohim means, mm -hmm. what Jehovah means and i use jehovah and jesus instead of yahweh and yeshua mm -hmm. so i just just going in deep and I, when you understand the essence of someone's name and what they're called there's it just it, your mind explodes on on who you're praying to even women we at the jail the other time i was there and they had commissary which is their big treat and the guard was letting them out two at a time to go to commissary and they didn't want to leave they said i want to learn more about elohim i don't want to get my treats and i thought yeah. well that's that's beautiful that they'd rather get the eternal and spiritual treats and fruit than they would the physical yeah. i thought that was amazing so yeah it's a beautiful book hero israel the lord thy god is one lord elohim amen yeah so uh, the plural understanding of god it's it's uh, an interesting word to study in its own, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's based on the creator, the triune God. And when he creates something, he didn't say, okay, peace out. He actually created it yeah. and by doing so ensured the preservation of it, which I think is beautiful. Hence, Jehovah Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's just that beautiful, just that I, I, I'm still here even. And it brings us to the last name, which I use, which is Jehovah Shema, which God is there. God, mm -hmm. it's a very intimate name, knowing he's here, he's there, mm -hmm. he's, he's in the temple, he's now the temple is us. It's just so beautiful. Which if you're a woman like what you reach out to in prison, these women, they hear that the presence of the Lord can be with them, even where they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It could be more encouraging. Absolutely. And also to encourage them that the Lord's never left them or forsaken them. And I talk a lot about condemnation and conviction, the difference between that and how the Holy Spirit conviction will bring you to the cross and you repent. There's still consequences mm -hmm. for your actions, but condemnation is from the enemy. And that's, that's where the enemy will define you from your behavior. Now, when you write a book like this, Kim, 
how did you start? Did you start with like all 12, like all, all, it was like all laid out in your mind or did you just say, okay, I think I've got this much. The Lord will give me the rest as I go. How did it go? That's a great question, Mike. When I, the Lord woke up in the middle of the night and it was right before, right as COVID was in his, it's crazy heyday. And one of our friends, a uh, very healthy man, yeah, well, I guess younger for me in his forties, and he was hospitalized and was about to um, had COVID. I was uh, about to go on, I think, event or, or just it was very serious. The next day, he was very sick, very ill, and so his wife created the Zoom prayer call because we couldn't all get together. And that night, the Lord said, "I want you to pray personalized scripture," and He gave me all the scripture, Psalm ninety-one, Psalm ninety-two, to pray with His name mm-hmm. in it. And then He said, "I want you to write your book." a book with personalized scripture. When I pray over people, I do that. When I'm praying first Corinthians, you know, Mike is patient. Mike is kind. Mike is slow to anger. You put people's name in there. When I pray over those who sin against me, I pray with their name in that, especially the first Corinthians mm-hmm. one. So I was like, great. That sounds like a great idea. I'll write that book. And then I started, I'm like, well, what? There's a lot of scripture. Like, how do you want me to organize this? And the beginning of my book, I encourage people to look up what their name means. For example, my name, my first name, Kim means leader. Hmm. M stands for Marie, which means Marine. I love the sea. I love the water. And my last name, I've always said, I'm a religious scribe. God just tells me what to write. And I, I write it. And my last name, Clark means religious scribe. So I introduce myself or you're introducing me. You're saying, here's Kim. She's a leader. M. she's loves the sea. And she's God's religious scribe, Clark. So God woke me up another time. So I told God, I, I need organization. You need to give me a plan for this or else I can't write it. So the next night God spoke to me and said, if you're having people look up what their name means, have them know my name. Mm. I was like, oh, Hebrew names of God. Got it. Check. Yeah. So then I found scripture based on the 12 Hebrew names of God. You know, there was a time, don't you think, that in America, parents were much more let's say, in touch with the thoughts about the importance of a name. I don't think that's the case today, widely, as it used to be, like in my grandparents' uh, generation. But that's something that we still yet to this day need to realize, that what we name our child, that has a whole lot to do with their future. uh, And God gives people names for uh, seemingly a good reason. Absolutely. There's no coincidence with that. And I encourage the ladies when I teach, whether I'm teaching to a Bible study of ladies in the church or even teaching to ladies that are incarcerated, know what your name means, mm-hmm. know what you're calling yourself. Because some of the ladies will introduce me as their last name because in when they're incarcerated, that's how they're referred to. And I'll say, do you want me to call you that? What's your first name? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I'll say, that name means princess. Yeah. Right? I'll know what that means because I've looked up so many. They're like I'm like, I'm calling you a princess every time I say that name. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love it. We took those kinds of things deeply to heart when we were naming all of our kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember Stephanie, we we really looked up the meanings before our first child, and that means crowned one. Oh. And, and so it's just so incredibly exciting to see how that the names we chose and the reasons we chose, how much it seemed to be in line with their personalities. God is so big. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. <laughs> It really has all of that down. And this is, uh, explain the phrase and how you got it and what do you think the purpose was for the phrase of your ministry, Lift Your Gaze. That's great. Uh, and actually the name of my first book is Deep Waters, Lift Your Gaze. And I thought, that's, isn't that great? Because when you're going through the deep waters, the Lord promised he'll be with you. When you go through the deep waters, he'll be with you. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And we can't control the waters, whether it's the waters are five feet deep, eight feet deep, an abyss, uh, unlimited. We don't know Mm -hmm. the depth. They're just deep and they're hard and we can't control that. But what we control is we can lift our gaze. Mm -hmm. That's what we control that 45 degree tilt just to look up and say, you know what? I'm going to focus on you, which is one of the names of Jehovah Nishi. The good Lord is my banner. That banners weren't a cloth banner. They were actually a, a signal pole and up top was a beautiful rock that reflected. It was like a rock. It was like a crystal or something that reflected the light. They shut up this kaleidoscope of yeah, light. Yeah. So when the Israelites were changing from war, from, from slaves to warriors, that's a first battle. They, every time Moses put down his staff, cause he was tired, the enemies prevailed. But when he raised his staff, that's when 
Israelites had won, had victory. And so they called that name. That's when Aaron and her lifted up his name, put a rock under mm-hmm. Moses. And they called that day, and Moses called that day, Jehovah Nishi, the Lord is my banner, the Lord is my miracle. The Lord, the Lord has the victories, the God of victories. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to lift our gaze to our God because mm-hmm. whatever we focus on gets bigger. And we focus on our God, our God gets bigger than our trials. We focus on our trials, our trials get bigger than our God. Wow, that's good, Kim. And then when God spoke to me and said, okay, then your name of your nonprofit or your ministry is going to be Lift Your Gaze. And the name of your publishing company, I didn't even know it was going to have a publishing company, is Deep Waters Books. I was like, oh, I don't want a publishing company. I don't want, I don't want to write a book. I don't want a mystery. And but, So it all came to me. So I've kept that going. Now, were you still a professor at that time? Yes. <laughs> and you were. You said you were a professor of marketing. I is was. It? I was, and I owned an. We owned an energy deregulation business. With my husband. So I already. I had a family. I have two. I still do have two kids. I was like, I don't want another business. I don't want to write. I don't want to. But mm. <laughs> so it yeah. was. I was a reluctant writer. Now I'm an Amazon best-selling, multiple award-winning author, and I help other people publish and win awards. It blows my mind how God would use a crack vessel like me. Mm. That's what he does, though. He uses us where we are, and uh, most of us are a bit cracked. <laughs> all, of us, said, all of us are. <laughs> that's said of me all the time. You're a real crack-up. <laughs> that's right. Oh, this is great. Kim, uh, the, the book is great. It's laid out. It's not a small book. A lot of times people endeavor to write a book, and, and it's good. It's like 100 pages. Uh, yours is double that. So it took some time. You mentioned the editing process. And that is something, if it's going to be a good book, I don't care how good the writer is. I I, uh, I tell you, I find this about myself. I don't do well at editing my own work. Nor uh, should you. That's, yeah. You can't. You can't. I have authors. I edit my own work and I'm like, I won't even read it then. Writing is 25% writing, 75% editing. So now it takes me six to nine months to write a book and the other nine months to get it edited for mm-hmm. publication. So for our books, they go through five levels of editing. They go through a content editing. You know, does your idea flow? Does this make sense? Is it, you know, the big picture kind of look, how your chapters lay out? Are they organized? Is it helpful for your reader? How are you, how are you conveying the information you want to convey to your reader? And some of that is subjective, right? It is. But if, if I, if I'm looking at your work and you've given me your manuscript and I can't figure it out, something needs to okay. be changed. Yeah. It's because I'm a pretty prolific reader and I'm pretty intelligent if I can't figure it out. Yeah. Not that I'm omniscient, but we have, something needs to change. We need to help you figure that out. What's your message? What's your word? What are you trying to look, look at? And then goes through copy editing, which is grammar. Then it goes through formatting. When you open a book, you see two pages. That's actually one document that's been formatted like that. Then it goes through proofreading. Then it has a final edit. And then it goes through publication. Mm-hmm. So when people say, oh, I wrote it and... I can tell if it hasn't been through editing. It's so sad because some of these are good stories. They need to be possibly rearranged. They need to, it needs a rewrite, and it's great. And I've read several books that would be self-published, and those are the ones that seem to be fraught with grammatical errors. And content. And you know, I'm yes. sure that's true, too. Uh, and, and you wonder how in the world did that get passed? But again, if the, if, if the guy, and he might be like, I've, I'm a fairly decent editor of my kids work when they were growing up, going through college, they'd have me read their stuff and I could catch what they did, but I don't catch my own errors the first time through, not even the second or third time through. Absolutely. It's, it's your baby and you need, that's when you need another set of eyes on it. Absolutely. And it just, it just makes sense. And for example, when my first book, I had uh, three people edit it before I sent it to have it professionally edited. I had a, a college English professor review it, someone who does editing for a living, and I had another person who was just very good at grammar look at it. When I got back in it, this first book, I think is 370 pages, it ended up being, but in Word, it was only 270, uh, 270 pages at the time. I had over 5,000 errors in edits. Oh my goodness. So you can't, you just, you don't have that eye. That's not how you're yeah. trained. And people say, well, I, I got my, you know, whatever, my niece's brother's sister's. I feel better now, Kim. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's very <laughs> common. It's very common. I, and I get so frustrated. And, and, and a lot of times I'll read, I'm like, please don't publish. You're going to get sued. You're not yeah. citing your sources correctly. Oh. This is dangerous. Don't do this. You have a great message. You have a great, what you're doing is phenomenal. 
you've got to package it in a way that is correct. That's why I did that program, Write Your Book. The Lord told me, you need to tell people how to do this. Now, I know in music, when you put things out there on the web, uh, they have the spiders that go through anything that you've done. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't publish something on the web that's been pre-recorded without getting into some serious problems. Absolutely. But if a person plagiarizes and they write these words, and if their book somehow gets put on the web, those spiders could find that too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not sure how that, how that works, but if I'm editing something, I can tell everyone has their voice and it's how they write. It's their style of writing. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, if someone's writing something humorous and they drop in something really heavy and you can tell there's a Fleischmann reading index that can tell the grade level. So they're writing at like a sixth or eighth grade grade level. And all of a sudden you see this one part in there that you can tell that it it's oh, not yeah, for six. It didn't fit the rest of the yeah, room. It's not in the right voice. And you mm-hmm. can just, you'd highlight that. Go, oh, that's a you're grade 13 reading level. I can just tell, okay, we need to cite the source. And you can actually copy that, put that in the internet, and it can tell me the source. Ah, that's right. And that's what, as a publisher, that's what my job is to do. Go, well, you forgot to attribute the source. And you know what? Someone's stealing your work. I always do unto others as you went unto you. Mm-hmm. That's really well said. Well, this is very good. Have you ever met Jacqueline Lynn? Do you know her? She is one of my favorite people on the planet. She's actually uh, one of my marketing clients. She's an, a prolific and amazing. She actually wrote one of the endorsements of this book. Is that right? Yes. She wrote like she wrote an incredible endorsement. Well, she's up here regularly Love and her. has been on my program. Love. Yeah. Love yeah, her. She's really good. I didn't know if you'd met her or not. So that answers that question. <laughs> That's good. She was actually helped me edit this book. And she was one of the many eyes I had in this project. I think the biggest and I think this is the biggest downfall in life is pride. Like, I don't need, I got it. I'm good. I'm a good writer. I don't need anybody else to look at mm-hmm. it. And for me, I came in going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go to all these writing conferences. I'm going to spend all this money sitting at somebody's feet who knows what the heck they're talking about. I don't know. And I need help. And so I came with a very open, teachable spirit. As a result, was able to absorb so much more. And even my editors would say, Kim, you're, cause, because you're learning so much and you're continuing, your craft is incredible compared to even first time others I see who think they know how to write. I love it. Kim M. Clark, my guest today. We'll be back with her in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back one more time now with my guest, Kim Clark. As an author, she goes by Kim M. Clark. I would have supposed there are a lot of Kim Clarks in the world. There are. So you have to have a way to differentiate you from the rest. And your book is gorgeous. We talked about the uh, the fact that Jacqueline Lynn, who is a mutual friend, uh, wrote something in it. So has Rodney Gage, lead pastor at your church. Rethink, Rethink Life. Life Church in yeah. Orlando. Yeah. And you've got several other people. Uh, you know, when you have a book like this and you've got the manuscript, kind of uh, maybe in late stages before it goes to print, you have people read the manuscript. And so how long does that process last? And it depends on the manuscript and what condition the manuscript is in through, as a publisher of Deepwater's books. So I have, uh, actually, I have someone designed to read my, I call it my slush pile, what comes in to see if, hey, can we work with this or not? So we work, decide if we're going to work with a potential author. We look at the manuscript, also look about, are they teachable? Are they coachable? Mm-hmm. Or if it's going to be a battle, I, you know what? That, that's when the pride comes in. And we said, you know what? We're, we're going to pray for you and we wish you the best. Some uh, people don't like their words being messed with. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's. I guess they feel like their baby's ugly. And yeah. I, I, you know, no, your baby just has a little bit of, of spinach still on his cheek and we need to wipe that <laughs> off. We need to help you. And if you want that, that's fine. We're just not going to publish that. Because if yeah. it has the Lord's name in it, I, I, I don't, I, I, quality is non-negotiable. So how many authors have you worked with? Oh, goodness. I want to say, uh, I think almost 12. I, I can't, I don't have a file. I, I should know this. And all should... of this just in the last, what, four years? Actually, the uh, the published 
publishing other people's work was the last 24 months when the Lord said, I want you to start publishing Two other years. And I thought, uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, it's being a teacher and I'm just kind of teaching others what I know. That's kind of where that comes in, whether I do it in a classroom, in the jail or to other authors, or even on the web, we're doing the write your book program that, mm-hmm. that people can go on. And I've just recorded me like teaching a college class on how to write a book. Wow. Now, that wasn't something you taught when you were a professor. You said you were in marketing. I was. What school were you a professor at? It was actually in Delaware, and it was Goldie Beacom College, and Mm -hmm. I taught marketing, a 400 and 300 level marketing class, so it's a junior and senior level class. Late stages of a college career. It was great. Well, this book, as uh, Kim mentioned earlier, deals with the names of God, and there are 12 names of God. And I know that uh, these these names, some of which are very familiar as what we talked about with Elohim. And, uh, you know, we think of uh, anyone who knows old praise choruses from the late 70s, early 80s would remember Jehovah Jireh. I mean, that might well be one of the most known names. But these other names are significant, not only theologically significant, but emotionally significant as well, aren't they? Absolutely. And one thing I love about when God revealed his names to man, he started in Genesis with the most formal name. Just like for me, when you might meet me, you might refer to me as Mrs. Clark. And then it becomes more personal and to eventually intimate. So it goes from Elohim, which is a very formal name of God, to the most personal name with Jehovah Shema, where God is there mm-hmm. and God is here. Now, those raised Jewish would understand both ends of the spectrum. I mean, for the Jewish person in that day and age, they, his name is so holy. You can't even pronounce you it. You can't absolutely. pronounce it. No, it was considered blasphemy yeah. to pronounce it. So uh, and it depends, of course, on your level of practice of Judaism. But yeah, so the, the first one in Elohim, we see that in Genesis is God is a triune creator, the sovereign over all the universe of life and all the nations while promising the preservation of it all. So Elohim, it means he's control of everything. And he created it with a plan, not just I'm creating it, I'm checking out, which I think is a beautiful reminder of who our God is, who we can call on. And even the second name, Jehovah or Yahweh, the Lord who is eternal, infinite, and self-existent. And he only reveals this name to man who is made in his image. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. It's just... yeah. And then El Shaddai, I love El Shaddai. So El Shaddai is God Almighty, is the all-sufficient and all-satisfying one. This is the very name of God who will bend the laws of nature to bless and protect his children. El Shaddai who parts the Red Sea. El Shaddai who melts prison bars. El Shaddai who sends his son as propitiation, as covering for our sins so we can be reconciled with God. That's El Shaddai. And and, uh, at the risk of stepping out of this wonderfully spiritual moment to say that anyone who hears that thinks of Amy Grant. I mean, that's... (laughs) You can add that. That's perfect. Okay. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's That's right. Age to age, he's still the same. (laughs) Amen. Amen. By the power of his name. Man. Well, that's really great. That's a great lyric. Yeah. And then we go to the fourth name that I cover is... Adonai was the sovereign Lord, the master of our lives and service. And the master in biblical terms is not how we think of a master and slave relationship. In the United States, we're kind of blown that. No, kind of. We have blown that. And the sovereign Lord is what, if someone was completely destitute, had was dying of starvation, had no clothes, was dirty, was was what we were like before God converted us. And then the master would bring that person into their home Mm -hmm. as a slave, clean them up, feed them, have them a place at the table for the Passover. They were above the higher servant. And if the master had no children, that, that slave would would inherit the entire fortune. So it was such a beautiful relation. It was like, I'm going to cover you. And that's what Adonai means. Isn't that so sweet? Beautiful. Like that's just such a sweet, I love that name. And then there's, is there each of these names? There's seven personalized prayers that you put your name in for based on these names. The next name, of course, Jehovah Jireh. Jireh is always great. Who has? And I love this when you combine the word uh, Jireh, which means to see, with the word Jehovah, it means to pre-see. So mm. God pre had prevision that I would be here this day. Mm-hmm. Got it prevision mm-hmm. that Jackie would write that uh, endorsement for me. Got it prevision that. You would have someone from Rethink Life on before. God knew all that. It was prevision. Mm Because I tell the ladies in jail, God knew you'd be incarcerated. God knew he'd bring this crazy woman here to share the word of God in the Hebrew names of God so you can lift your gaze and you are no longer 
under the shackles of sin. You, you know, no we were longer. talking about prisoners. If, if I could interrupt just Go for ahead. a moment on that point, that's one of the big aha moments for a lot of people is when they realize that in spite of where they are, in spite of the fact that they're sitting in a prison cell, what you just said is still true. Amen. Amen. Because we look at our life here as if it's everything, but our life is nothing in comparison to eternity. Amen. Just like an amazing grace. I think it's the third stanza in the first 10,000 years. Yeah. The first 10,000 years. Wow. I love it. And in Jehovah Nishu, I talked about earlier, Jehovah's my banner, the provider of miracles over victories and life trials. It's already won. It's already happening. And again, a banner wasn't a cloth. Um, a cloth with words on it was actually a signal pole with a shiny rock with a reflective rock that set up a kaleidoscope to remind the Israelites to lift their gaze to look to their mm-hmm. God who has the victory, mm-hmm. which is so beautiful. And then the eighth name of God, Jehovah Mikadesh, Mikadesh, the Jehovah who sanctifies and set his people apart for his possession and holy service. And I tell the ladies, Congratulations, you are now set apart for God's provision possession is holy service even in here god can use you for good bloom where you're planted they're like just uh, do these prisoners believe that when you first say that you see their minds are blown they're like wow miss kim i never thought of that i never thought of that i never even realized how god could use me here Mm -hmm. that god doesn't waste one moment and one time i'll say yes i have hundreds of letters from inmates just saying that and then nine jehovah shalom the jehovah of our peace who reconciles us with Elohim through Jehovah Jesus. I mean, we are reconciled with mm-hmm. God. That's the big, that's the huge one. And that peace that transcends all understanding, that's ours. That's so exciting. And then Jehovah Tiskenu, the Jehovah is the righteousness of people, which is alone is the basis of our justification acceptance. Where what we do, whatever holiness we go, it's filthy rags compared to the blood of Jesus that covers us and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit that was imparted upon us the day we received Jesus. That's what justifies us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have. And Jehovah Tiskenyo, and Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Wow. I shall not want. He makes yeah. me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are dumb. We are like sheep are dumb. We'll walk off a cliff. We'll go into a fire. But we have a shepherd that protects us, that will lay down his life for us. And who did through Jehovah Jesus. I see what you said when, uh, what you meant when you said that it's getting more intimate as you go. Yeah, do you see it? Like, now isn't it beautiful? Now we've got the shepherd watching over us daily it just sleeps with us doesn't doesn't slumber watches over us mm-hmm. one of the ladies wrote it's like i am like that lost sheep that the night he leaves at night and went after me that's great that's they wrote. and then the last yeah. one 12 jehovah shema jehovah is there jehovah's in the temple and we are now the temple because we have jesus in us mm. so jehovah's here so it goes from very formal if you were like mrs clark to my husband would call me honey or sweetheart it's a very sweet intimate road to knowing our Lord better, knowing him by his names and having those prayers to put your name in it. Do we have time for you just to pick one to put your name in it? Mm-hmm. To read it? Yeah, let's do it. We've grab- got a couple of minutes left. Why yeah. don't you grab one and just pick, you pick one and put your name in it. Whatever uh, you, open wherever you want. W- just uh, anywhere. Uh, let's just like a. So ba- I'm not sure I'm understanding exactly what you mean by putting my name in it. So, but like uh, Jehovah Nisi so is what I opened up. Flip to. a few pages. And you'll see one of the seven. There oh, there it is. I see what you say. Okay, so Mike receives power from Jehovah Elohim and his mighty strength. Mike puts on all the armor that Jehovah Nisi supplies so that Mike, I, can stand against the devil's strategies and schemes. You know, if people don't put their names to uh, the Word of God and they read it almost as if it applies to other people. It's so true. It, the ladies, it, it, they don't get the benefit from it. The lady said it's like a lullaby, like you're laying against the chest of God when you hear your name in scripture. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, doesn't it make such a difference when you're... Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting, all right. And you know, I know that what he prayed, he prayed for us. He intercedes ever, the Bible says. He's ever at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He's calling your name. Amen. You know, one of the things that I love from the Old Testament is the fact that he is the God who sings over us, Zephaniah. Amen. He God knows us so much. Mm-hmm. And of course, my joke is he knows the hair of our heads and he knows me less today than he used to. You know, that's, that's a joke, <laughs> friends. That's only a joke. 
That's because my hairline is waving goodbye. No, he knows the number of your hairs, not the qu- the quantity. Doesn't determine his knowledge; it's the number. Right. It's not quality; right. it's quantity. He knows but, the quantity. But he knows us. He's acquainted with us. He remembers that we are dust. Amen. God knows us. Amen. I love that Shema. The the oh, whole the whole close thing. It's very nice, Kim. Thank you. Well, what's ahead for you in 2023? Yeah, whenever God leads, He has led uh, every time. I'm I I lay every January first, the first week of January, I lay everything on His altar. I lay the publishing company, Deep Waters Books, and the Lord showed me. I I, I we we were blessed with making almost all of our authors, but one was a new author as Amazon best-selling authors in December, and I was thanking thanking God for that and praising Him, and He showed me this bookcase from floor the ceiling full of books. And he said, you're going to help so many more people write their books. Mm. And then I said, okay, there's lift your gaze. What do you want to do with lift your gaze? And he showed me this beautiful magnolia. It was huge. It was so lush and so fruitful. He's like, that it's going to explode and bloom more than you could ask or imagine. So I, I do whatever he wants me to do. Right. This is not mine. This is his. Uh, so whether it's another book, whether it's, yeah, I didn't know I was going to be writing that two years ago, but God had a plan. That's right. So I, I, it's always his, I'm, I'm his vessel and he chooses whatever he has for me. Well, give us your website. Sure. It's to go to the main website. It's www.kimmclark.com. There's two M's in there. For To find out the publishing company, it's www.deepwatersbooks.com. Dot com and waters and books are plural. And then for the, if you want to help us out for, uh, for provide more books to the inmates, that would be wonderful because we're such, the inventory is completely gone in Orange County and Osceola County. They're in desperate need of more books. To provide donations, a tax deductible donation to a 501c3 it would be a huge blessing. You could go to www.liftyourgaze.org. Mm-hmm. That's your nonprofit. It is. Mm-hmm liftyourgaze.org. Kim M. Clark, thank you for being here today. Mike, it's always a pleasure in this chair. I feel like we're having mini church here. So thank you so much. (laughs) You've got it. And friends, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time here on The Shepherd.